At the end of this week's Parsha, Baloscha, we have the narrative that conveys to us how terrible is the sin of Lashon Hara, of speaking negatively about another person. The Torah tells us, Vatadabir Miriam Vaaharon, Miriam and Aharon were speaking about their younger brother Moshe, and Hashem is very, very upset with them, and there's a punishment, and we see how terrible it is to speak negatively about another person. I've shared some of this before, but it bears repeating. Let's take a few moments to review some of the halachos, the laws, concerning how we are supposed to speak, how we are not supposed to speak. So, there are two different terms. One is a term called motzi shemra. Motzi shemra is libel, to say something that is not true. And that is always prohibited, to say something negative. I'm talking about negative speech. To say something negative about someone that is false, that is not true, that's libel, that is prohibited, that is a Torah prohibition. Lashon hara, which literally means evil speech or bad speech, refers to speech that is true, though it's negative. To say something negative about a person when it is true, that is Lashon hara. Now, there is an exception. There are exceptions to the general prohibition of saying something negative when it is true. Sometimes there is a necessary purpose. Sometimes there is a constructive need. Sometimes it's necessary to set aside, but it has to be done in the right way. Otherwise, without such a constructive purpose, it's prohibited. That's Lashon Hara. You often hear people say, I often hear people say, if someone says to them, you know, what you said is not nice, you shouldn't talk that way, very often the person will respond and say, but it's true. It's true. Being true is not an excuse. Let's take a look at our Parsha. Miriam and Aaron are saying something negative about Moshe. What is it that they're saying? It's interesting, the Torah does not tell us. If this is the primary narrative where we are to learn the lesson not to speak Lashon Hara, so maybe you should tell us what exactly they said so we'll know not to do that. It's interesting that the Torah does not tell us. However, Rashi quotes the Medrash that actually says something amazing. It says that, that Aaron and Miriam were discussing an issue of Jewish law. They were discussing a question of the way in which Moshe was relating to his wife, Tzipporah, and they were discussing whether it was proper or not. They weren't just gossiping. They certainly weren't libeling. They weren't saying anything untrue. They were questioning whether Moshe's actions were proper or not. How is that negative? To discuss Jewish law, to discuss mitzvot, to discuss whether something is right or wrong, how could that be negative? So the answer 
is very simple, but it is very difficult to actualize. And the answer is, concerning this particular issue, it wasn't their business. It was not their business. And if it was not their business, that means there was no toeles. There was no positive, constructive purpose for which they were discuss discussing this. It's not their business. It's an issue between Moshe and Zipporah, maybe between Moshe and God, but not. It doesn't involve Aaron. It doesn't involve Miriam. And the Torah, I believe, is teaching us specifically here in this narrative specifically where you would have a reason to rationalize that it's okay, because it's true. And specifically where you would have a reason to rationalize that it's okay, because I'm talking about Jewish law. I'm talking about right or wrong. Specifically here in this narrative, the Torah tells us that's terrible. Since there was no overriding purpose, it doesn't matter that it's true. It doesn't matter that you were discussing Jewish law it's prohibited. Because ultimately, and here's the underlying principle, ultimately, God is more concerned that we do not cause pain to one another through our words. God is more concerned about that than the truth. Maybe you'll say, but, 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 but it's true. Shouldn't the fact that it's true, I mean, telling the truth, MS is a really important thing? Shouldn't that be a defense? And the answer is no. MS, truth, is very, very important, but it is subservient to shalom, to peace. And if your words cause pain to another person, doesn't matter if it's true. Unless there's some overriding purpose of a limited basis, God is more concerned with Shalom than with Emes. And this is so important to remember and to review because we can cause such pain with our words. We cause pain through our words when it's true. We cause pain through our words when it's not true. We cause pain through our words when we intend it. And we cause just as much pain through our words when we do not intend it. This week I had an experience. I was in a situation this week. It's not for now. It's not important to the story where it was. But I was in a context where for two hours a large group of people were telling stories about how much pain they had experienced within the Jewish community, mostly in shul. How much pain they felt at insensitive remarks or insensitive questions, things that were said to them. And I am certain that most Many, I would like to say most, but let's say many. Many of those comments that caused so much pain were completely unintentional. The person asking them thought that they were asking a simple, reasonable question. They were curious about something. They asked a question. But it doesn't matter what your intention is. 
If it causes pain, it doesn't matter that you didn't see what was wrong with the question. Our obli my obligation is to investigate what might possibly cause upset in the words that I'm about to say. And if I'm not sure, it's always better to be quiet. Even unintentionally causes so much pain in our shuls, in our places. And at the same time, our words can cause such healing, such love, and sometimes it's just a word, a phrase that can cause so much helpfulness. Permit me to share with you a story. <clears throat> I heard this story from Rabbi Moshe Weinberger. And the story concerns Rabbi Elia Lapian. Rabbi Elia Lapian was one of the great Torah sages and scholars and teachers in the early 1900s in Europe. And he was the head of a yeshiva. And among his responsibilities, he had to travel from time to time to collect funds to support his yeshiva. So it happened once that Reb Elia came to this town and the people in the town told him, listen, there's a very wealthy gentleman here and he supports all the yeshivas. He's generous to everyone who comes to ask. You definitely should go to visit him. And especially because you are such an important personality, he definitely will have heard that you are here. He'll be expecting you. The only thing is, this gentleman, he does not observe Torah mitzvahs. He's a Jewish man. He does not observe. He supports every yeshiva. He's generous, but he does not personally practice. So, Rebellia Lapien said, no, thank you. I, 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 I will decline to visit this gentleman. It's very nice that he supports yeshivas, but if his personal life is not congruent with his generosity, I would, I would rather, I'm not telling anyone else what to do, but I, I will decline to visit this gentleman. They said to him, please, you have to go. You have to go. This is a very wealthy person, a very important person. All of the yeshivas are supported by this person. If he knows that you're in town and you didn't come to see him to ask him for a donation, he'll be upset. Maybe he'll stop supporting the other yeshivas. You can't do that to us. You have to visit him. So Rebellia thought about it and he said, okay, I'll go to visit him. However, I'm not going to ask for a donation. I, I will not accept a donation, but I'll go to speak to him. He's a generous man. He does mitzvos of supporting Torah. I'll go to visit with him. Fine. So he goes to this gentleman and the gentleman is very happy to have him. He had heard that he was there, invites him in. They sit down. Perhaps they're having some tea. And Rebellia says to this gentleman, he says, please don't be insulted. But may I ask you a question? You support all the yeshivas. You support Torah. Obviously, you understand what it is, what it means. Why is it that you yourself are not personally observant of Torah and mitzvahs? So the man says, I have never told this to anyone. But you asked, 
And I will tell you why. It's because of a story that happened when I was a boy. And he told the following story. He says, when I was a boy, I was already on the path away from Judaism. I was already rebelling against Yiddishkeit. And my parents decided, in retrospect, perhaps not the wisest decision. My parents decided to send me to yeshiva in Radin. I've told you about Radin, a small town in Lithuania in what is now Poland. It is where there was a yeshiva and the Chavitz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan of Radin, lived. The Chavitz Chaim was the greatest Torah scholar and leader of his generation, and he lived humbly in this small town, this small village, and there was a yeshiva there, a very excellent, advanced yeshiva. And my parents, the boy said, the, the man says, when I was a boy, my parents decided, I mean, it's really just not so appropriate, my parents decided, we're, we're going to send you to this yeshiva in Radin. I didn't want to go, he says, but they made me go. Okay. Now, the procedure in this yeshiva, in this small town of Radin was, you had to meet with one of the teachers, and you had to take a test. You had to be tested by this teacher in order to be accepted. So, I came in, and this teacher, this rabbi, saw right away that I was not for this yeshiva. It was completely inappropriate. I didn't belong there. And he said to me, I'm sorry, we're not going to accept you to our yeshiva. You have to go back home. And this man says, when, when, when the Rebbe said this, when the teacher said this, I was relieved because I didn't want to be there. They didn't want me. I didn't want them. So fine, so I'll go home. The problem was, by this time it was late at night and it was freezing and there was no train out of this town until the next day. And I didn't know what to do. I had nowhere to go. I didn't know anybody in Radin. I just left the yeshiva. I started walking around, but it, it's nighttime. It's freezing. I have nowhere to go. There's no train, no way out until tomorrow. So then I thought to myself, Radin, what do I know about Radin? Radin is the home of the Chavitz Chaim, the Gadol Ador, the greatest scholar of our generation. I'll go to him. I'll go to his house. Maybe he'll help me. So the man says, I went to his house. I knocked on the door. And the Chavitz Chaim himself answered the door. The Chavitz Chaim was a very, very poor man. He did not have two matching pieces of furniture in his home. So I said to him, Rebbe, I came to the yeshiva. I was not accepted. Can I at least stay in the dormitory overnight? Because there's no train tonight, not till tomorrow. It's freezing outside. I don't know anyone here. Could I please just spend the night in the yeshiva dormitory? And the Chavetz Chaim said, 
No. If you're not accepted to the yeshiva, then you cannot stay in the dormitory even for one night. So the man says, I'm thinking to myself, this is L'Chavetz Chaim. This is who everybody's talking about is so famous and so righteous and so pious, the Gadol Adar. He's going to turn me out to the street. I said, Rebbe, but what am I going to do? It's freezing outside. Chavetz Chaim said to me, no, you misunderstood me. I said, you may not spend the night in the dormitory, but with your permission, I would love for you to be my guest in my home here. You'll stay with me here. So this boy is thinking to himself, first, it's a very strange day. I don't make it to the yeshiva. Now I'm spending the night with the Chavetz Chaim. It's a very strange day. The Chavetz Chaim invites this boy in. He gives him dinner. He shows him to his bed. And the boy goes to sleep. But the boy is not able to sleep. He's thinking about everything that's happened and what's, where he's been and where he's going. He's not able to fall asleep. It's late at night. And as he is laying in his bed, the Chavetz Chaim, thinking that his guest, this boy, is sleeping, the Chavetz Chaim opens the door to his room. And so immediately the boy closes his eyes to pretend like he is sleeping, which is what the Chavetz Chaim thinks that the boy is sleeping. So the boy is pretending to be asleep, his eyes are closed, and the Chavetz Chaim comes into the room thinking that the boy is sleeping. The Chavetz Chaim walks over to where the boy is sleeping. The Chavetz Chaim leans over this boy, and the Chavetz Chaim whispers to himself the following words. He says to himself, Nebuch, I think my guest is cold. And the Chavetz Chaim takes off his jacket and puts it on top of the sleeping boy. And now this man says to Rebellia, Rabbi, he says, it's because of the whisper of the Chavetz Chaim that I have today any feelings towards Judaism towards Torah. I don't keep the mitzvahs. I don't observe them. But I support every yeshiva because of those whispered words of the Chafetz Chaim. When we study the Parsha this Shabbos and we read about Miriam and Aharon and the terrible outcome that happened to them, we should also never forget the power of a word to change someone's life and to melt even the hardest heart. My friends, have a great Shabbos and I look forward to seeing you soon.